Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you would like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. Everyone knows to get to the right destination, you must start in the right place and head in the right direction. Same is true for wisdom. But whose way is right? Experts offer wisdom through shortcuts, techniques, formulas. Friends give advice from experience. Our own hearts lead with emotion. Artificial intelligence uses science and facts, but who's right? Only Proverbs points to the right way by directing us to the one who is wisdom and design the path on which to find it. So this week in our Proverbs series, we're going to learn why pursuing the path God designed will lead to a correct understanding of reality and the wisdom to navigate it. Proverbs 2, verses 12 through 22. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Surely, her house leads down to death, and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Thus you will walk in the ways of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land, and the blameless will reign in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the unfaithful will be torn from it. This is God's word. What is reality? This is really the major question of our time. What is real and what is not? A few weeks ago, I listened to a TED Talk by two chat GPT computer engineers, and they talked about AI's potential. And one of the engineers made a statement that honestly scared me. He said, we are reaching a point where you can no longer trust what your eyes see or your ears hear. In other words, we are approaching a reality that we will not be able to navigate with our senses alone. Now, in many ways, this has always been true. We all live in the same world. Many of us have gone through similar experiences, but how we process them can be entirely different. We can have the same data put in front of us and yet have a very different take on reality. Now, the last two weeks, we've talked about what real wisdom is, grace-given competency to navigate life's complexity. There is no universal rule book for every situation in life. And so we talked about how we become wise. We pursue wisdom step by step, knowing we can't attain it on our own, but God in his grace reveals it to us through his word. And we talked about Proverbs, how it's poetry, how it's a pattern, how it has parental aspects, Heavenly Father speaking to his dearly loved child. We talked about why God must be first in our hearts. But in order for us to know wisdom, we need to know the reality we live in. Is there a pattern 
an order to this world? And if there is, what is it? And how do we live in it? There seems to be four ways that people see reality today. The first, life is what you make it. Or as John Paul Sartre once said, it's up to you to give life a meaning. So the life is what you make it reality is where you can experience something, but the meaning of that experience, the reality, is up to you to create. That's one way people see reality. Another way, what goes around comes around. The karma approach, if you will. If you love people, they will love you. If you hurt someone, you will be hurt. Now, if you take a very superficial view of Proverbs, it can almost read that way. Take, for example, Proverbs 21, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. It seems to be saying that if you raise your child right in the Lord, he will never turn away. But now remember, Proverbs is a pattern. Generally speaking, this is true. When you train up a child in the way he should go, in the way of the Lord, they will not turn away. But we know in life, there are exceptions to these general ways that things, is how life should be. Now, that's why when we think about Proverbs, we need to remember that it's part of something called wisdom literature in the Bible, which includes not just Proverbs, the books of Job and Ecclesiastes, which, unlike Proverbs, speak to the exceptions to the God-ordained order for life. So that's option two. So we have life is what you make it. We have karma. Option three in our world today, the universe knows. If you've ever watched TV shows like This Is Us or Virgin River, there's this idea of an impersonal force in the universe that dictates fate. And then there's option four for reality. God has a plan or divine order, which would say that everything that's happening is working toward a final purpose, the recreation of what once was. Now, we as Christians, we look at these four, and it seems obvious which reality is the true one, but on the everyday level of the wellspring of our lives, our hearts, it doesn't always seem so clear. In your sin and mine, we sometimes listen to the voice of alien realities. I'm not talking about Martians or anything like that, but strange realities. That's really the warning we see in Proverbs 2 when it says, Wisdom will save you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. Now the word translated wayward, in Hebrew it has this sense of alien or strange or foreign. Now this woman isn't an alien or a foreigner in an ethnic sense, but she's but it's more of in a she's not how she should be sense. There's something off about her. Now remember in Proverbs, wisdom is often personified as a woman. So also folly or foolishness is also personified as a woman, kind of the anti-type. Why are, why are either of them personified as women? Remember, this book was originally written for fathers and sons. And to have a family, there must be a pursuit of love for a woman. Now look what makes this woman wayward. This is what Proverbs 2 says. She's wayward. Why? Because she has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. She chose a different reality than the truth. Now, wisdom can save you from this, but the word picture behind that save word is deliver. It's, the idea is picking you up and carrying you away from it. It's intense work to pull us away from this strange, alien, foreign reality. Why is that so hard? If this wayward, alien, foreign reality takes us away from God, why does it require so much to save us from it? 
because it's seductive. And as Proverbs 2.14 talks about, these foreign false realities, they seem delightful and full of rejoicing. They make us curious. Maybe, maybe they have something I don't and I need it. So let me ask you the question I was confronted with this week. As I looked at Proverbs 2, what false reality are you listening to, maybe without even realizing it? Is it the life is what you make it reality? Our postmodern world, that you can create this vision for your life and the goals and the dreams you have. And when something either interrupts or completely shifts those things, how do you feel? I can tell you from my past week of illness, I was very much convicted in my sin struggle. I struggle with this. I seriously thought, Jesus, come on. I need to be able to celebrate fully the new member welcome we had last Sunday, the car wash fundraiser we had. I need to connect with people this week. How does my being sick help with any of that? Now, what's under the surface of all that? <laughs> it was really this. If I'm being honest, I was thinking, Jesus, this is the reality that I want. Get with the program. I was buying into a foreign false reality. Or is your struggle more with the karma type reality? What goes around comes around. Where you try to do so, you try so hard to do the right things, to love people, to follow God, and then you get drilled with a setback, a sickness, a sadness. And one of the veterans I get to see each week a few months back, when we were talking about how God has a purpose for everything, he said, if God is so good, why has he been so bad to me? Are you feeling that way? You're trying to strive after Jesus, but it doesn't seem to take you anywhere. Or maybe conversely, things are going like you want them to in life. You're bringing in cash, you're making new friends, life is upbeat, your kids are doing great, retirement is awesome. And we praise God for all those blessings, but is there a part of you, even the tiniest little bit, that's thinking, I must be doing something right because God clearly is blessing me. As if when things go wrong, you must be doing something wrong and God's punishing you. That right there is what we call moralism. Here's the thing. Why, why do we have so many weaknesses when it comes to following God's wise order of the world? Well, because sin took his beautiful design and disordered, disorganized, and disintegrated it. We see it so clearly today. And the culture around us is really an anti-culture. We hear so many voices trying to dismantle once long-held truths about family, about biology, about truth, about life. Even though all of us know the laws of physics, if you jump off a cliff, even if you believe with all your heart that you will fly, you will not. <laughs> Reality check. But we live in a time, a time when people truly believe that they can make themselves whatever they want, belong to themselves alone, live according to their own personal reality, we all know where that leads. Proverbs 2, verse 18, it says it vividly. The verse reads, Surely her house, the wayward woman, her house leads down to death and her past to the spirits of the dead. And the scene in this verse that you are to picture is a house completely sinking into a hole, taking with it every person inside. As we think about the different false realities out there, you'll notice that proponents of them, those who support these false realities, they seem delightful most of the time, full of rejoicing, talking about how great their life is. But really, the one thing that gives them a very superficial form of happiness 
is validation. Most of the time in our culture, people and others to support them. Why? Not so they can genuinely help that person, but so they can feel validated. More often than not, it's a selfish aim entirely. They are often not speaking so glowingly about a sinful lifestyle just to draw you in. They want to draw you in so they can feel better about themselves. I do want to make one thing clear. This is not an us versus them. It's not like the people out there have something wrong with them that I don't have wrong with me. No, I, I will be the first to say that I struggle with this just as much as anyone. So often I want to create in my sin. I want to create my own reality. I want other people to validate that and tell me that I'm right and build up my ego and my pride. We want to create our own reality apart from Jesus and be validated. That's, that's what sin is. So we look around us, the brokenness, the disorder, the disintegration, the death of so much. We wonder how such things in our lives and in the world around us can change. How can things get better? How can order be restored? Have you ever thought about that very thought? The thought that sickness and injustice and death, it's not right. It leads us to feel feelings of anger and sadness. There's a Deep intuition embedded in every human being looks at such tragedies, and we can't help but say, this isn't right. Something is not okay here. You know, without God's reality, if we try to live according to ourselves, we're helpless to change evil and suffering and pain. There's nothing we can do. Which is why he came down. He came down, our God, to make right again what had been made wrong. And that's where Revelation 21 comes in. What sin had done since the very first one occurred in the Garden of Eden was break the covenant, the promised order God had designed. And because that order was broken more and more, all of us eventually, we find death. This perfect marriage was destroyed. But the, but the groom wouldn't let his bride be lost. In Scripture, marriage is so much more than a social construct. It's really a reflection of the grand redemptive story of God's love for His people. His bride, the church, would have her wedding day dressed without any imperfections, led to the reality that was always meant for her. This is why Jesus came. To save His bride, to make right what had been made wrong. Jesus, who created this world's reality at every right, to judge us and he could have destroyed us. He had every right to wipe every single one of us off the earth, straight to deep darkness. But instead, in His grace, He chose to wipe away every tear from your eyes. The judge chose to be judged. He came into our disordered world of sin, down from His throne to die. He wasn't judgmental toward you. He came to save you from false realities and to remind you of the home you belong to, not the one that's going down into the pit, but the one that will come down in glory when he takes you there. Here's the reality. Jesus came to do one thing. What does Revelation 21 say? Well, first it says, for the old order of things has passed away. When Jesus comes back, the old order will be done. And Listen to your Savior speak. He says, I am making everything new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Jesus came so you could live again in His reality. The reality that He has thrown His robes of righteousness over you, this over-the-top gospel that gives you joy. And you know what else it gives you? It gives you moderation. What do I mean by that? 
when you know that you are a blood-bought child of God, belonging to Him, our kids are singing about that this Sunday, a beautiful song called I Am Not My Own. When you know that you belong to Him, you approach life with the reality that nothing is better than Jesus. So you strive after His wisdom in Proverbs, and you strive to follow Him in life, knowing He alone, by His grace, will give you wisdom. And the fact that God has chosen to not just be a part of your life, but He is your life, you just love being on the path with Him. A Christian I know was getting some car work done this last week, and a couple of issues came up that made what should have taken about 20 minutes last over two hours. And the whole time this Christian was praying, Lord, keep me together, I have you. And even if I'm here all day, I know I have you. That's never going to change. Well, at the end of it all, one of the mechanics asked him, how can you stay so positive after all that? That's what it looks like to live in God's reality. There's so many things that happen in your life and mine that shouldn't happen. But the reality that only Jesus can give, it can't be faked or distorted by AI or anyone or anything else. Jesus will make right all the wrongs you've endured. He chose to take on all our injustices, carrying them himself to the cross. And it's he who stands as judge. And you are innocent, free, and loved in his sight. Through faith and by grace, he sees no deformities in you, no sin. Just the person he loved so much that he died. So he could say that to you in person one day. So how does knowing that there is one reality, only one, the reality of the Lord who died for us is the same one who will make things right one day, how does that change your life? Well, it leads us as Christians to stick together as a community of reality. Look at Proverbs 2.20. Thus, you will walk in the ways of the good, that's plural, and keep to the paths of the righteous, also plural. We walk together because we know our future is sure. We live in joy, poise, and balance because we know who has, who has order over it all. In this ever-lonely world, we stand by each other and we welcome others into our fold who know what the path of folly is like and we get to walk with them in the path of wisdom. We analyze those seemingly delightful sounds of the anti-culture of sin that seeks to divide and destroy and together we keep walking in God's reality. As we know the truth that the old order will soon be gone. That same veteran I mentioned to you briefly before, who was so angry at God, he sat down with me and his daughter two weeks ago, and he said to both of us with tears streaming, I get what life is about now. Because I know Jesus loves me. I know he's got it all covered. And you know that too. Knowing that makes it safe for us to believe in God's justice. It makes us safe. It makes it safe for us to pursue wisdom knowing that the Lord will be with us all the way. It makes it safe. In fact, it makes us not just safe, but excited to confront this crazy world and to see God's reality that goes beyond all the senses and will lead us to a place of sheer, unfiltered delight. Amen. I praise and thank the Lord that He's given me Another opportunity this week to share the gospel with you. And thank you so much for listening. My prayers are with you that the Lord continue to use you to reflect his light in all the different communities he brings you to. And let's rejoice that we get to live in his reality. The reality that Christ has died, Christ 
is risen and Christ will come again. God's richest blessings do live for him now and always. Thank you.